0: we open up 1 Corinthians today, we're going to be talking about exactly this, about being a sent people, being a people who go on mission, as we look at being specifically an apostolic people, being an apostolic people. Now, perhaps you've heard the word apostle before, and that conjures up all sorts of different ideas. For some of us, we might have a quite healthy understanding of the word apostle. For others of us we might think of the word apostle and immediately think about very wealthy men flying around in jet planes and big billboard campaigns and perhaps people overusing and abusing power and we perhaps don't have a healthy understanding of the word apostle. Perhaps some of us think that the apostles died off In the early church, that God gave apostles for a time being, but then they died off. And those are something of history. Well, we're going to talk about being an apostolic people today. And hopefully I'm going to explain a little bit about the word apostle. Because very simply, in its most simplest term, apostle simply means sent one. Sent On a mission. That is what the word apostle means. And so when Jesus gathers around his 12 disciples and says these famous words in Matthew 28 All authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. Go, he creates them to be an apostolic people, a people who are sent. Go and make disciples. They become an apostolic people. And we, as we listen, to what Jesus has said, and as we go, we ourselves are an apostolic people, we are a people sent on mission, so as we leave this room in an hour or so, we're sent, that's what we do, we come here, we gather, we encourage, we build each other up, we worship, we enjoy fika, and then the most important thing happens, we go. We're sent. Been, we're an apostolic people. We're not a people who are called just to stay as a huddle. But a people who are called to go with the good news. That is literally what the word apostolic means. We are a sent people. There is an apostolic calling on each one of you in this room. There is an apostolic calling on myself as well to be a sent one. yeah. Alongside that, there also is a specific apostolic gift that is given to the church, and we read that in Ephesians chapter four that the ascended Jesus, so as Jesus ascends, lives, dies, raised again, as he ascends, he gives gifts to the church: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, four gifts given to the church. And the reason he gives them to the church is so that they can be built up, so that they can be encouraged, so that they can be released in everything that God has called them to. Prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachings. And the reason they're given is so that the church can reach its full maturity into what Jesus is calling her to be, what Jesus is calling us to be. And we read in 1 Corinthians 3, one of Paul's frustrations as a gift to the early church, as an apostle sent to the early church, one of his frustrations was that the church wasn't maturing. It wasn't doing what it should be doing. See, when he was first in Corinth, he was feeding them milk. He was giving them easy stuff, the gospel, and and just keeping it super, super basic. But then when he hears of everything that is happening, he realizes, actually, they've, they've not matured as a people. They still need milk, like a baby needs milk. They've not gone on to solid food. There's some parents in this room, and you know, the aim is to get the baby onto solid food. The quicker, the better, in some cases. And Paul's frustration is that the church isn't maturing like it should be. His apostolic heart for the people is for them to be a church that is maturing, for a church that is growing in its discipleship, that each one is hearing the call of God for their lives and growing in what God has called them to be. An apostolic people, a people who become more and more like Jesus. And so in this frustration, we see the heart of the apostle. And it's a heart... Of, of, of discipling. It's a heart that wants to equip. It's a heart that wants to strengthen. A, a heart that wants to go from milk to solid food to bring a people into maturity. Why? So they can f- fulfill their calling of being an apostolic people, a people who are sent on mission, sent into the places that God is calling them to. So as we read the scripture today, I want us to look at a few things. I say a few, we'll see how many we get to. But I want us to notice a few things about what Paul says about his role as an apostle, but also about how we get to learn from him as we too are an apostolic people. So as I said, 1 Corinthians, we're going to read from verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, so, yeah, verse verse one. This is how one should regard us, talking about himself and some others, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So, what's the th- the first thing that I want us to notice? about apostles, about being an apostolic people, is that they were servants and stewards of the mysteries of God. What's an apostle? A servant. A steward. Now that isn't quite the picture that we have in our minds necessarily of what apostles look like. If you have the wrong understanding, if you have the billboard understanding of an apostle, that's not what an apostle looks like, according to many people. Yet when we open Scripture, and we see Paul describe himself and the apostles, we see he describes them as servants. And and when he uses this word, he talks about, uh, there's a picture, I think, of these under, they're called under rowers. Men whose job literally was to be under the deck of the ship, just rowing, following Following instructions, listening and going, just rowing. That is his understanding of the word servant. Not seen, not impressive, not really having any ideas of their own, just following orders. Not very impressive. And Paul wants to be viewed as one of these, as a servant, but not only a servant, a steward. Someone who carries with him the mysteries of God. What are the mysteries of God? Jesus Christ and him crucified. We read those that earlier on in 1 Corinthians. That is the mystery of God, that a God who creates the heavens and earth, steps down as a babe, born in a stable, born in a dirty place, lives a life, loves. I just was so impacted when we were worshipping today. Do you know Jesus, when he walked, he was so loving. He was so caring. He went out of his way to serve. He went out of his way to love. He went out of his way to pray, to care for, to look after. He was a shepherd who cared for people. And this Jesus, who lived a beautiful life, gets put on a cross. And then he died. And then he raised again. And he did all that so that we could know God. So that you could know God. 2,000 years later, so that you could step into this amazing relationship with God the Creator. Jesus did all that so that we can get welcomed in. So that we can get accepted. Friends, that's the mystery of God. And that is the, that is the, the message that Paul, as an apostle, is stewarding and carrying and making sure he's telling people, do you know Jesus Christ and him crucified? He's stewarding that message because that message is everything. And friends, perhaps you were sitting in this room this morning and you haven't completely understood how important that message is. Hear, hear me when I say this. There is nothing else that matters if you don't understand the message of the cross. If you don't understand how a good God dies and suffers in your place so that you can be known, so that you can be loved, so that you can be accepted. Jesus is the hope of the world. And perhaps this morning is a morning for you to say, I want to follow that that hope. I want to receive that Savior. And so I want to encourage you, as we get to the end of the meeting, we're going to have a moment as we sing and as we take communion, perhaps that's your moment. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. You sound good. You sound like light in a very dark place. Can I follow you? Can you give me hope? And I can promise you he will. There is a, there is a future promise for us that one day we will see him, we'll be made like him, we'll be like him, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more suffering. There is a future promise, but actually right now here on earth, boy, do you know hope in dark situations just through knowing Jesus. He changes lives right here and now. He really does. I think there's people saying yes, because that's true. So hold on to that. Seek Jesus if you haven't seeked him yet. Servant and steward are two of the things that he talks about as being an apostle. And for us, then how do we pick that up as an apostolic people? Well, We serve. We're a people who serve. And so as we go into, yeah, wherever we go, I was going to go into the new sites, that's one thing. But as we just live our lives, as we go to work tomorrow, or perhaps even this afternoon, how do we go there? With what attitude do we go there? We go there with the attitude of service. We go there with that attitude of a servant. Why? Because, again, Jesus, he came to serve. That's Jesus. As he washes people's feet. And the, the, the disciples disciples like, don't do that, Jesus. Don't do that. You're too important for that. It's like you've completely misunderstood what I'm here for if you don't want, if you don't allow me to wash the feet. That is Jesus. He served. He is a servant. He comes the whole He comes from heaven to earth. Why? To serve. To serve us so that we can get accepted, so that we can get bought in to this incredible unity with God the Father. Jesus is a servant, and friends, he calls us to be servants. So I want to encourage you, our DNA values, I guess. What are the things that we're really keen on as a church? Let's be a serving church. Let's be a people that are known to serve. Let's be a people that when, I don't know, at work, someone says, who's going to do this? We put up a hand, we'll do that, we'll serve. When someone, uh, one of our neighbors, needs, I don't know, a dorm craft, like a jack, to change the winter tyres, and they've not got one, we've got one you can have. We serve. Let's be known as a people who serve. But not only that, we're a people who steward the mysteries of God. We're a people who carry this message of incredible salvation. As Em said, we've got the Christmas fair coming up in a few weeks. What a great opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ and him crucified. How will we do that? There won't be people marching around saying Jesus Christ and him crucified. We'll do it by serving. We'll do it by having an amazing fika and by Norin doing this beautiful picture. We'll serve people. But in the back of that, what we're showing is there's another way to live as we're stewards of the mystery of God. Again, a challenging question I got challenged with a few years ago. But when was the last time you told someone about Jesus? How well are we doing stewarding the mysteries of God? How well are we doing? For me, honestly speaking, it's easy to tell you guys about the mysteries of God and say, Jesus is the hope. Jesus saved me. He's changed my life. It's easy for me to do in this setting. Walk me into a room full of people at work who think church is outdated who think church is judgmental, Christians are judgmental, suddenly the stakes go up a lot higher. And so it's a lot more challenging for me to say, do you know, Jesus changed my life in this way. But friends, we're called to be a people who steward the mysteries of God. So can I encourage you? I've got a really itchy nose. Just, sorry, apologies. Can I encourage you? Probably not the moment to do that really, was it? But can I encourage you, let's be a people who, who, who hold that message and take it with us. I think a real good thing to think about, sometimes we talk too much about church and too little about Jesus. Everyone has understandings of church. As soon as you say church, they probably think building, cold, dead, boring. And so it turns off the conversation. If instead you say I know a God who speaks. I know a God who changes lives. He's changed my life. He's changed my friends' lives. He can change your life too. Suddenly, the conversation changes. Nina shared with me this uh, this week that one of her friends who, she, who has gone through life, I think you can say, basically said to her, after a conversation, I want to know more about your God, Jesus. What an amazing way to end a conversation. Like, I've got to go off and teach, but I want to know more about your God. Servants and stewards. Sorry, that's really bad. Let's go behind the curtains and have a good... Okay, uh, let's continue reading. Moreover, so this is verse 2, Moreover, it is required of students that they be found faithful, but with me, it is a very small thing uh, that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. If I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. The second thing I want is, third thing I want us to notice, is that Paul is secure in his identity. He says this, with me it is a very small thing that you judge, it is the Lord who judges me. And friends, people judge. People judge us. People make judgments. Literally, earlier on in the book, we're reading about, I follow this person, I follow that person, I follow this person, I follow that person. They're making judgments. They're making decisions based on their preferences, based on who they like. And that is out of a place of judgment. Even Paul himself is aware that people are judging him. And so he says this, With me is a very small thing that I'm judged by you. I don't even judge myself. I only Rely on the judgment of God. And what we see is that Paul is secure in his identity. He was not looking for the approval of man, he was looking for the approval of God. He was aware that he had the approval of God. And, friends, this is so, so important because we can't stop people judging us, but we do have a decision to make, and that is how do we let that affect our lives? The judgment of other people? How do we let it control who we are? And friends, being secure in our identity helps us to be a people who are able to live out everything God has called us to. Helps us to be an apostolic people, a people who are able to steward the mysteries of God, because actually above people's opinions, we put God's opinions. In fact, it's a very small thing, what they really think about us, because it's he who judges, They don't get to judge me. Friends, they don't get to judge you. God judges. It's beautiful. It's wonderfully freeing. Be secure in your identity, which again is such an important part of society and culture at the moment. It's your identity. Who are you? Who really are you? Who do you choose to be? And it affects so much of our lives. It affects the clothes that we choose to wear, it affects the words. We say it affects the songs we listen to. It affects the people that we hang about. Identity affects everything. I remember as a young teenager, we can say, my identity at, at school was class clown. That was my identity. My job was to make people laugh. That was my identity. And so what, what I did with that is everything possible to, to conform to my identity to make people laugh. So if I was talking to some people, uh, like, you know, the teacher's there, I'm talking to the class, and the teacher says, turn around, Josh. I'd be like, yeah, I'll turn around, 360 degrees. You know, and I'd just keep on turning around. Or if an eraser got thrown at the teacher's head, and the teacher turns around in anger, who threw that? I'd be the one that says, kind of, fingerprint the eraser, sir. You know, I, my job was to make people laugh, and I was quite good at it. And so I lived in that identity, that was who I was, that was who I became as I went through school. And I couldn't shake it off. Now Josh will make people laugh, Josh will do something silly, that was my identity. And what happens is everything gets bound up in our identity, the way we spend our money. Everything is bound up in identity. This is what Ephesians 1 says about our identity that we're blessed holy blameless seated in heavenly places that we have been adopted. We've been adopted. You know you weren't born, you've been adopted. What happens when someone adopts a child is that they choose. It's not a lucky thing. It's not an accident, not a happy accident. There is a choice being made. And what what happens is Jesus, before the foundations of the world are laid, he says, I want to adopt Matthew. I want to adopt Vimbi. I want to adopt Albin. There's a choice that has been made. Your life is so significant. That's your identity. Chosen, adopted, predestined, holy, blameless. That's your identity. Friends, we find ourselves in Christ. It's incredible truth, incredible truth. You are in Christ, loved. It's beautiful. That is our identity, not what people say or think. What Jesus says and thinks and what he has done. Not what we think of ourselves, friends. We don't even get a say in this. It's great, isn't it? Paul's like, I'm not interested about what you say. And actually, do you know what? I'm not even interested in what I say. I think we do ourselves a disservice too often when we say, I'm not good enough. This is my identity, my past. That moment shaped my life. And now that's my identity. That's carrying me forward. Friends, I just... Just recognize that you've been bought with a price. That Jesus loves you. That whatever has happened to you in the past, present, or perhaps even future, doesn't shape who you are, but Jesus does. He has rescued you. He has redeemed you out of his love, out of his grace. He's extremely good, Jesus. And he gives us this beautiful identity. And let's be bold in our new identity. Let us be bold as children of God, people who are adopted. Let's be bold in that. So when we come together, let's be bold. When we go out, let's be bold. Let's be willing to share the mysteries of God because it doesn't really matter what people think. Of course, that doesn't mean we do it in harsh and aggressive ways. We love through grace. We serve. But we shouldn't be worried about what people think. I wonder how many people, I think everyone, I'm going to say, has been held back at one point in their life because they're too worried about what people think. I think sadly it happens probably to most of us on at least a weekly basis. For me, it's dancing at discos. I just want to feel the music and release, you know? But there I am just sitting on a bench, just like tapping my... Just There's a boogie going on in that foot, I tell you. But I'm just like... I'm worried about what people will think. They'll be too amazed by my dance moves. <laughs> no, they won't be like too. I've got a stiff neck today and like that probably improves my dancing. But we all, we, I, I, just, I, I, I feel that God is calling us to be a people, secure in our de- identity and stepping out. I, I just, I, I, we can be held back by what people think. And I want to release you from that this morning. I'm going to say, don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what you think. We take ourselves too seriously. Release. It's only God who judges. I remember I did a at university a training day with a whole bunch of. Uh, Yeah, like outdoor students, took them out out into the open and we did this one challenge which was to run as fast as you could, as far as you could, whilst screaming as loud as you could and like whoever made it the furthest was the winner and the whole point was it was to like release people, to to just make them feel relaxed and comfortable and it's this amazing, everyone stood on the line and kind of just ran, screaming, one person took off his shirt and it's like kind of running like this, it's absolutely this amazing moment of just people being released. I feel almost, we need, it's like, don't worry about what other people think about you, just release, be free. It holds us back if we're too concerned about judgment from others. Folk will judge, let's get that, let's settle that. We judge ourselves, let's get that, let's settle that, but let's release into what God is calling, understanding that it's he who judges that really matters. And he has adopted us. He has given us a new identity. Um, okay, let's continue reading, verse six. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against the other. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have? That you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Is there a more beautiful question in the whole of Scripture than this question? What do you have that you did not receive? What we have here is Pauline theology in a nutshell. What we have here is the grace of God in a nutshell. This is Paul's teaching. Romans is a massive book about the grace of God. You can put it down to one, one question here. What do you have that you did not receive? He challenges them. What do you have that you did not receive? Paul recognizes that everything is gift. Now again, remember the culture, the context of power, of wisdom, of spirituality. This place where they think they're impressive. In fact, we read a bit further. They think they're kings. They think they're impressive. And Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? He recognizes the gift giver. He recognizes the grace of God. He gets the perspective right. He says you don't need to walk around, like you people walking around, like you're impressive, following the right person, looking the right way. He says you don't need to walk around like you've earned it. Anything you've been given is a gift. What do you have that you didn't receive? It's the gift of God. And our calling is to lay down our lives, to serve, to give, to walk in humanity, humility. Sorry. We don't need to think we are anything else. And even anything that we have received is gift anyway. And he reminds us, we go through this next bit, we won't read it, but of the, of, of the cross. He echoes the cross, men walking as if dead. We're a cross-shaped people. There's nothing else that matters. I choose to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. We hunger, we thirst, we're persecuted. We're the scum of the earth. It doesn't matter. Get your perspective right. Understand that it's all gift. Whatever you have been given is gift. Stop thinking you're anything else. And in recognizing gift, it, just, it brings this beautiful humility to Paul, who had plenty of reasons to say, I'm a king, I'm impressive, I'm a church planter. I've planted many churches, I've seen many... Stories of miracles and salvations. But what he does in recognizing gift, it brings humility. I didn't deserve it. Didn't earn it. But I've been given it. That's what Paul says. So stop thinking you're anything else. Stop thinking that it's, your, it's on you that you're impressive, that you've seen things. You know, it's all gift. What do you have That you did not receive. So what I wanna say is, friends, wanna be a people who serve, wanna be a people who steward, wanna be a people who have our identity secure, wanna be a people who are humble, who recognise that everything we have is given. Everything. And that's great. That actually means, got a tight fist, that actually means we get to be free in what we're given. Because it's not, we've not earned it, so we sort of hold on to it. Now, actually, in getting given the stuff, we're able then to it's able then to release us into everything that God is calling. So up until this point, uh, Paul has been very robust. I think it's fair to say, calling them babies, still want milk, your babies, infants in Christ. And then as he goes on, we won't read it, but you know. He, he says, he's, he's sarcastic. He's like, oh, you're kings, you're impressive. Oh, you think you're this, you think you're that. I mean, if I was to start saying that to all you guys, you'd be like, Josh, you're, you're crossing the line a little bit here. Okay, just calm down, Josh. He's been robust. And sometimes pastoral care needs to be robust. Sometimes we need to say, out of love and out of grace, you're doing something wrong. It's time to go outside, to get away from that. And we need to be robust. Paul is being robust here, but then what happens afterwards in verse fourteen is that is that we see his heart revealed, and we'll finish with this. It says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed. I'm not sarcastic to make you ashamed. I'm not kinda of rubbing your face in it. I'm not calling you babies, like who should be on solid food, to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Here what we see is the heart of the apostle. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. So his heart in this, in this robust language, is not that they would be ashamed. It's not that they would feel embarrassed is that they would recognize what God is calling them into. The privilege of what God has called them into. And Paul wants them to succeed in everything God has called them to. His heart for them is to be an apostolic people, a people who are sent, who are people who are off milk and on to solid food. We read later in chapter 9 that Paul likens the life of a Christian to a race. He says, you're in a race. We're in a race. Run it to get the prize. If you're a boxer, try to hit them. Don't just box the air, but try and aim your punches. There is point. There's aim to your life. There is mission to your life. And the reason he's robust is, come on, you're missing. You're boxing the air. You know, you're not hitting the person you're supposed to be hitting. You're not training, as an athlete would, a race. And he says, there's there's, this. this purpose to your life. Therefore, I'm being robust. But friends, please hear me. I love you. But sometimes love speaks truth. In fact, all the time, love speaks truth. And you need, you need to wake up to what God is calling you to be. Therefore, imitate me. Be like me. Serve, steward, Understand identity. Be humble. Be like me. Box to win. Run to win. Think about what you're doing. Think about where you are going. Imitate me, and friends. We are an apostolic people. We are a people who have been sent on a mission. We are a people who have been been put into a race, and it's absolutely vital that we make the right decisions. It's absolutely vital that we train in the right ways. You don't train football if you want to be good at ice hockey. You've got to focus on what you are aiming to do. I think one of my biggest concerns for the church is seeing a people who have been given so much yet waste it because of this like aimless boxing not really realizing that they're in a race just staying it would be absolutely heartbreaking if my Caleb stayed on milk all his life he would be missing out on steak oh yes got the biggest amen there he'd be missing out on so many good things And so, friends, I think it's important for me to be pastorally robust. How are we running? How are we doing? Are we still enjoying milk? Or are we moving on to solid food? I think it's been one of my privileges seeing this church establish and grow and seeing people stepping out, seeing people grow from milk onto solid food. It's beautiful here in Wendy. Uh, pray earlier. It's like just the worship from Wendy is just so beautiful. And she, five years ago almost, was baptized. Uh, six, years. six years ago. It was your baptism birthday very recently. Um, six years ago, she didn't know the difference in a new and an old testament. It's incredible to see what God's doing and there's so many of us that are going from milk onto solid food but I want to encourage you if you're still on milk it's time to go to solid food. Recognize that you're in a race. Recognize that God has called you, He's picked you, He's adopted you, chosen you and then sent you. There's many, many more who God has chosen in this city. It's a promise, right? God has many in this city but in the crazy mysteries of God, he chooses to work through us. He calls us to go. He sends us, apostolic people, following Paul as the apostle sent on mission. Uh, can we stand? Uh, maybe I can invite the band up, please. I just, I I think there's there's just a moment that I just wanted to take. I'm aware of the time. We don't have ages. But I think it's important. God's given us bodies and physicality for a reason. (laughs) I think sometimes we get to express ourselves through our bodies, actually. And that's really helpful in worship. Sometimes we raise up our hands. Sometimes we sing. Sometimes we make a joyful noise. Sometimes we clap. Sometimes we bow. Um, And I just feel that there's a moment now for us, perhaps some of us in in this room, have have had a calling over our lives, but have just allowed it to kind of take a back seat. Perhaps there's some of us in this room that have never really understood the calling, have understood church, a Sunday morning event, but not really the fact that Jesus calls us to live life on mission, sent Perhaps there's some of us in this room who don't know Jesus, but want to accept him, want to want to receive the hope, the goodness of Jesus. What I'm going to do uh, is we're going to, the band are going to start singing and playing in a minute, and we're going to sing a song that just hopefully echoes some of what I've shared. But before we do that, I just, I just want everyone to shut their eyes, if that's okay. I'm going to shut my eyes, get the band to shut their eyes too, if that's Okay. And we're just going to just, just spend a moment just in silence before God. And I, I want us, as we, as we have this moment, just to say to God, I'm in, like I follow. Perhaps if you don't know Jesus, now's the moment just to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. Perhaps some of us, we, we just need to reignite something in our hearts. We've forgotten what Jesus has called us to we're just gonna have a minute doing that. And we've done something in secret. Now I want us to do something in public, remembering that we have a secure identity. And what it is, I want you to put up your hand. If you have just made one of those decisions that you want to follow Jesus, that you want to be part of this race, that you want to push in to everything God is calling you, I just want you to put up, raise your hand now. Just hands going up around the room. Just let's let's make just a statement right now. Perhaps we're someone who struggles with what people think. Raise your hand high as a statement. Doesn't matter what people think. Doesn't matter what I think. I'm in it matters Jesus what you think you judge amen Jesus I just pray Lord as I look around the room and see hand after hand raised Lord I thank you Jesus you have called us to be an apostolic people a people sent on mission Lord and I thank you we, we say right now with our hands up just like kids in the classroom here I am send me Lord will we be a people who impact this city for your good Jesus you are the hope of the world and you have called us to carry that message. We are stewards of that message. The mysteries of God. I just pray as we go from this room right now, Lord. Lord, will we be a people who see gospel fruit. May we see salvation, God. May we see friends come to know the hope. Lord, I pray may we as a people go from, uh, from milk to solid food. May we live in everything you have called us to. We pray that in Jesus' name.